the final installment of this series, Knowing Jesus, Prophet, Priest, King, and Warrior. Uh, I, I have been pumped to share this one. And I'm really glad that God said, put it last, because it, it falls on Super Bowl Sunday. And for those of you that aren't football people, bless your heart. Uh, I like football. And, and the, the Super Bowl has tried to become more accommodating. You know, they, they brought in the commercials to appease people who aren't really football people. And, and then if you're 90s hip-hop people, I guess you can enjoy the halftime show. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how, knowing what I know about censorship laws, how they're going to get these people to perform at halftime. It's a stretch for me, okay? Uh, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't listen to their music as a teenager, but uh, I did. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't know, I'm struggling with that part. So we're, we're going to move on into the stuff I'm not struggling with this morning. And, and that is, oops, I didn't change it to part four. Ignore that slide, it, other than it says warrior. Part four of knowing Jesus is warrior. And Jeremiah 6, 16 has been our, our jumping off verse. Thus saith the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Where the good way is, walk in it and find rest for your souls. <clears throat> I, I kind of, I, I'm one of those history guys that I like to go back and watch things. And thankfully, you know, you can go back and find some of the really old Super Bowls uh, and watch the broadcast then. I appreciate those broadcasts because it's, it's not all of the, some of the garbage we get today. But, you know, thinking about the, the ways of old and, and how the, the early church represented Jesus versus how we represent Jesus now. And, and, I, and I want you to understand that the, the men who wrote the New Testament, they were warriors because they went out and shared the message of Jesus Christ knowing that it would more than likely cost them their life. We have very little chance that here in the U.S. you go share Jesus with somebody that, that they're going to you know, have you arrested and hauled into a coliseum to fight lions to the death. I, I don't see that happening in the near future in the U.S. Uh, just because... You know, we still have sports like football and hockey. Thank God. You know, there, there's, there's enough violent sport out there. MMA, you know, I really hope they don't ask me to go fight somebody in the octagon because of my faith. Uh, because I would try to fight. I'm not going to lie. I will fight you. Uh, but <clears throat> the, the great philosopher Bruce Lee once said, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And, and that phrase actually came out of uh, a reporter was asking him why he trained so hard. Why, did you, why do you force yourself to be a, a top shape physical specimen and why are you always 
practicing this combat art. And that was his reply. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. What if we, what if we look at that and, and we begin to think of our life as Christians? Are, are we a warrior in a garden? Or are we gardeners that are caught in a war? Because make no mistake, you are caught in a war. This brought me to a question of how do you picture Jesus? And, and I, <clears throat> I'm not poking fun at anyone because, you know, I, I have a full picture of Jesus because I, I read the entirety of the Word of God. And most people stop at their picture of Jesus right here. Jesus just holding a lamb. And, you know, that's a soft, comfortable picture of Jesus. I'm not trying to wreck your world here. Uh, but if this is the only image of Jesus you have, I, I think you'll really struggle with living out the life of a Christian. Because living the life of a Christian, you're not just called to carry and pet lambs and, and look all peaceful and solemn all the time. That, that is not the life of Christ at all. And uh, if you go to Revelation chapter 19, this is one of the only verses I won't have on the screen because it's five verses. And uh, it, it's an eye-opener for some people because we didn't get that far in our study of Revelation and I've fallen way behind on that part of the podcast. But verse 11 says, When I saw heaven open and a white horse standing there, there was a rider named Faithful and True. He judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes are like flames of fire and on his head many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh is written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That image does not line up with just holding a lamb and looking peaceful and tranquil. Okay, this, this image doesn't really fully do it justice uh, because, you know, it has the, the sword in his hand instead of the more terrifying image to me, the sword coming out of his mouth, that all he has to do is speak words and it obliterates his enemies. But... I, I didn't get to paint that picture. I just went and found it. And, uh, there was one that you know, was way too crusades looking for me, so I didn't throw it up there, even though it, it kind of had the more strike a little fear in you. Uh, I was a little disappointed that you know, there, there's nobody riding a donkey behind you know, at the back, but they're supposed to be riding war horses here. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Exodus 
Isaiah 42, 13 says, The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his zeal, he cries out, he shouts aloud, he shows himself mighty against his foes. That's not really petting lambs. He trains my hands for war, that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. David wrote that in Psalms about the Lord. And he writes again in Psalm 144.1, Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Okay, Not only is he a warrior, but he cares about the very finest details of how you carry out warfare. That is, whew, that's good stuff. The characteristics of a warrior, and we're going to look at these, and, and I, I hope, um, you know, first and foremost, again, I'm, I'm speaking a lot to men in the room, but uh, I, I'll tell you right now, she may not look all that mean, but the, this lady sitting over here is definitely a warrior. And I've walked through battles with her that, that she has more than proven her worth as a warrior and um, you know these characteristics aren't just nailed to men they they're very much nailed to the woman of God as well and and we could look at Proverbs 31 people like to just paint that image of what a godly woman looks like I want you to understand you can add all of these and go look at Proverbs 31 and they're gonna line up okay the the difference between the two, we, we find it hard to picture, you know, women carrying weapons around and hacking people to death. But guess what? In the Old Testament, they did. I, I, want, I want my daughters to be that, that Proverbs 31 woman, but I also want them to be that judge's woman that is willing to drive a nail spike through a dictator's head if necessary. Okay? There, there's a... There's a line here that people need to understand. You, you cannot separate the warrior from the rest of the attributes of who Jesus is, and regardless of male or female. Okay, the first thing that is a characteristic of a warrior is a protector. Okay, when, when I see law enforcement, when I see military people in uniform, the first thing that comes to my mind is they are a protector. I, I don't look at them and, and think, you know, the, the, the biggest crime that was ever committed was that the American media was ever allowed to label our military as anything other than protector and hero. And, and if I could go back in the 60s, I would start fights. There would be lots of lots of news people that would get to file charges against me because I would take their freedom of speech and hit it right in the mouth because that was detrimental to the image of what a warrior is. The reason in the church we don't understand what a warrior is because we've let culture define that for us. A warrior is a protector. A warrior protects what, and I'm saying he a lot here, but this is very pointed and, and, and that's okay. 
A warrior protects what he has been entrusted with. And uh, yeah, there's two young guys right down here on the, the second row. I'm going to aim some of this at you. So you, you can stock this away, fellas. Okay? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Ephesians 6, 12. The, the warfare we're talking about is not all found in the physical. But a warrior protects what he's been entrusted with. And this is a biblical principle that is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. Okay, that phrase, to keep it, means to protect it or to defend it. Okay, nobody likes to, to have the phrase thrown out anymore of she's a kept woman. It sounds more like slavery than what the original phrasing meant to be. It meant that she was overseen and protected. If, if you look at this, I'm looking at you two on the front row over here. Okay, you, you're going to get the keys to the kingdom right here. The first thing God gave Adam was a job and responsibility to look after something. And to protect it. The next thing you'll see later is he gave, her, gave him a woman. Okay? I want you to understand, unless you can protect and take care of your territory, God's not going to bring you the next thing. Okay? God's not going to... If, if my son ever comes to me and says, Hey, Dad, can I borrow 20 bucks? I want to take so-and-so out on a date. The answer will be a hard no. If you really want to expand your territory that includes you take responsibility and you protect her, that means you're going to go have a job. You're going to be able to finance that date where you pay for everything. Because the quickest way to get on dad's bad side as a son is to go, to go take a girl out on a date and she touches a door. This sounds old-fashioned and dumb to some people, and I don't care. If she touches a door handle, you did not protect your territory. If she pays for something on the date, you did not protect your territory. You're not ready to date her. And, and we could go a step farther. If you go beyond her boundaries, those are God's boundaries. And boundaries are there for a reason. Until you're ready to buy the garden, you set the boundaries and you stay outside them. That's a freebie for anybody that tunes in, that single men. Married men, I want you to know, if she still has boundaries, that's her God-given right. And you have to earn the right to cross those boundaries. Warriors protect. Crossing a boundary that you're not meant to cross is not protection. That's an invasion and that's an attack. Warriors are discipline and self-control. Matthew 6, 33, these are the words of Jesus. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It takes discipline to seek God first. 
it, it, it takes a, a measure of discipline that is already there if you're willing to exercise it. And discipline is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. Discipline doesn't always have to look like something grand and spiritual. Sometimes it's a matter of walking into a room full of dessert and picking up a bottle of water and walking out of that room. Sometimes that is discipline, and that is, that is not aimed at anyone other than this guy. Okay, I'll pat myself on the back. I exercised that last night because hospitality rooms were designed by Satan and perfected by a woman when it comes to a man on a diet. Because you know men aren't up there bringing in cherry pie. Uh, there's a few of you that can cook that, but I mean, men don't do it regularly. <clears throat> Here's the one that got me. I almost fell for it. Fruit pizza. <laughs> I pulled that thing back, and at first all you see is that fruit on top of it. It's what lies beneath that will kill you. It's just like the ocean. Beautiful on top, but it's, you know, it's just a, a bowl full of death. I'm just telling you. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Solomon doesn't pull punches. A man without self-control. And you can, you can put that to woman if you want to, because it's the same. Without self-control, you're like a city that's been broken into and they tore the walls that were the defense down. How many of you want to live in a house where they, they just break down all the exterior walls so they can see everything you do in your house? Not where I want to be. I, I don't want to live in a city in the time that Solomon wrote this without walls for defense. Because if people didn't have, they came to fight and take it. The world wants to tell you, hey man, that's too tough, that... You know, take it easy, dude. The warrior adopts the Navy SEAL motto, the only easy day was yesterday. If, if you decide that you're going to take it easy today, I'll just tell you, you know, it, it's, it's those moments where you decide you're going to just take it easy and let your guard down that the enemy comes in and starts knocking down walls. A warrior values relationship. I, I have said this uh, many other venues, but I will say it here for sure, making sure that the men of this church hear it. You need other men in your life speaking the Word of God and holding you to a standard. Now, now be that a father to a son, be that friend to friend, you need men in your life speaking to you. Women, you need the same thing. We were built for relationship. The, the whole reason we have marriage is that's the first and most important relationship you have. You have to be, as Adam and Eve were in the garden where it says, they were there, they were together, they were naked, and they were unashamed. I want you to understand that wasn't just a physical thing about them being naked. It meant there was nothing between them. There was nothing that could divide them. They were completely open and transparent to each other. 
where Adam knew that Eve had been created just for him. That she was bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That she was to be a mirror image to him of who he was. And sometimes that mirror has to talk back to you and tell you, hey Bubba, you ain't getting it right. Sometimes you have to look at your mirror image in your spouse and you got to say, hey honey, you're struggling right here. How can I help you? When she asked, does this make me look fat? Run. Okay, that's the best advice I can give young men that are getting married is run, you know, flee. If you want to tell her the truth in that moment, do it with your hands up. Get your guard up. Okay. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. There's another translation that says that those who, who gather with the foolish will become foolish. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you, are you walking with wise people or are you the companion of fools? And relationships matter. People know you by your friends. And a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's okay to have a small circle. You can have a lot of contacts and a lot of, a lot of people in a network, but... I'm telling you, if you want to see the model, how many people did Jesus really stay close-knit with? Okay, the people he did day-to-day with was 12 guys. Now, there's a few outliers that, you know, he was obviously close with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He had his own family as well that he was close with, but the day-to-day, he kept the numbers small for a reason. Because the the more you try and, and spread yourself out amongst more people, the easier it is to be influenced the wrong way. What was Solomon's downfall? All these foreign wives led the wisest man in the world down paths he was never meant to go. The fourth characteristic of a warrior is excellence. This this is something that that I struggle with because I I know what excellence looks like. And it it's hard to achieve and a lot of times it's a higher price than I want to pay. But Colossians 3.23 tells us, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Excellence to the Lord is not how many cars you own, how many cattle you own, how big your house is, how much land you have. Excellence to the Lord is did you take what I gave you and go make the most of it. Did you 
take that blessing that I gave you and your spouse and nurture her into becoming the best version of her I made her to be? Did you point her back to me continually? Did you wash her in the Word? Did you train up your children in the way that they should go? Are you still training up your children in the way that they should go? Are you mentoring someone outside of your family in the gospel? Make, and that's, that's a nice catchphrase for making a disciple. Are you being discipled by somebody who is farther along in their walk with the Lord than you? Excellence is not just the end product. It's the method and the, the work that you put into getting there. The next characteristics of a warrior is servanthood. And, and again, I, I look at visual people that we can see in, in our military and law enforcement, first responders, and, and this is one of the, the things that comes to mind. The first thing, like I told you, is a protector. The next thing is their servants. They're not my servants, but they're serving the greater good of our nation. And, and Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, they were in a discussion and arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus brings it back to this point. He says, you know, it's not going to be that way among you. Whoever's going to be great among you must first be your servant. And whoever would be the first among you must be your slave. The, the lowest level of the, the society that they could understand. If you wanted to be the greatest, you had to make yourself the mindset of one of the least. Where... As a slave, you're not thinking about what makes you happy, what makes you feel good. You're thinking about how can I serve the master? Because the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 26. The next characteristic of a warrior is honor. And honor is a lost mindset in our culture today everyone wants to be praised they want to be put on a pedestal they they want everybody to be a winner give them all a trophy and that's not the reality of what it is and, and as a man of god a woman of god as a warrior for the kingdom of god you have to understand honor and, and honor looks very this is a very simplistic view of it, but honor means you never cheat to get ahead. You always help someone in need. You never compromise your values, ever. Never be or see yourself as a victim. The victim mentality has no place in Christianity. And you want the scriptural backing for that. Nay, in all these things, you are more than a conqueror. Victims are not conquerors. Never stab a man in the back, even if he has done it to you. Always honor the position of authority over you. 
never gossip or be okay with gossip. Own your mistakes. Stand while others fall. Fight while others flee. And always reject the way of the coward. The way of the coward is the easiest way out of a situation. Honor doesn't let you take the easy way out. Honor understands it's hard, that it often hurts, but it's the right thing to do and you do it anyway. Because if you think about Jesus, who never made a mistake, but He was willing to stand while others were falling around Him because the Bible is very clear. It says, for all forsook Him. Fight while others flee. Over and over and over again. You know, the disciples wanted Jesus to, to stay away from the Pharisees, stay away from the Sadducees. They, they saw the outlying danger that was there and Jesus was willing to fight the fight of faith and go to the cross. Reject the way of the coward. The next characteristic of a warrior is power. And I, I kind of subtitled that strength and courage. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. This is one of my life verses. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The, the Hebrew for that is rock chazakamats. Be strong and of good courage. And I just love the thought of that. It, it's not an option. It doesn't say if you want to. If it feels good that day. It says be strong and of good courage. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The next characteristic of a warrior is generosity. And I put in there to help us see it a little more. Mercy and grace. If you have all these other things and you're not willing to extend mercy and grace you'll never be showing the, the true warrior heart of Jesus. Because the, the Apostle Paul put it in Romans, he said that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That What a picture of a warrior, knowing, knowing full well that we were guilty and we deserved the penalty. He still went and fought that fight for us. Knowing that, that there's going to be countless people from, from the death of Christ until His return who will reject Him. And He still died for them. What a picture of generosity and mercy and grace. Because there's nothing we could do to earn that. Greater love has no man than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. I 
I know that as, as human beings, you know, as just civilians, we don't understand the, the full depth of that verse. And I, I'm grateful that I'm a good student of history. Because I can look back at, at people who weren't my friend, but I, I consider them friends because of the sacrifice that they made. You, you look back at the Revolutionary War. You love the freedom you have today. Those men laid down their life for you, a friend they would never meet. World War I and World War II. They went out to stop tyranny around the world, laying their life down for friends overseas. I uh, heard a, a story of a, a World War II survivor that went back to, he actually got to travel over and, and celebrate the, the anniversary of D-Day. And, and then he got to go back again to, uh, to be recognized at the anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge. And at the, the anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge, a Holocaust survivor came up and you know, rattled off a whole bunch of stuff to him in Yiddish and then bowed down and kissed his feet and got up and mustered the only English that he knew. He held his hands and he said, love you. If that's not a picture of how I feel about Jesus, there's not one out there. Because Jesus liberated me from the concentration camp of sin. And he didn't have to. He laid down his life so that I could be free from that. And I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm going to fall down I'm going to kiss his feet. And somebody's going to have to pull me off him when we get to heaven. Because he set me free. Wrapping this up. To be a warrior, you have to understand a, a simple truth that comes from Rocky Balboa. It's not how hard you hit, but how hard you can get hit and still get up. Life is going to hit you. The world we live in is going to hit you. And at some point here in America, we're really going to start getting hit. We, right now, we're just kind of shadow boxing with this. I'm telling you, the days are coming where you're going to get hit for being a believer in Jesus Christ. You've got to learn how to take a hit and get back up. Some steps to becoming a warrior. Uh, I've, I've tried to give you a little bit of something every week. And, uh, and again, this one's not necessarily just for the guys, but the guys are going to like some of these. Uh, <clears throat> learn to meditate on God's Word. Learn to do it. Learn to sit down and just read the Word of God and deep think about it. Get all the other thoughts out of your mind and let God begin to teach you through His Word. That, that's a very important skill. That's why it's number one. Number two is learn to conquer your fears. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. Okay, I'll put that there and I'll go right back to where we were a few minutes ago. In all these things, you're more than a conqueror. I'm not saying you gotta, you have to go skydiving if you're afraid of heights. But it'll get it done. You go skydiving once and survive it, 
you know, make sure a professional packs your chute. You survive it, you're probably gonna feel like, man, you know, why was I afraid of that? Because when you start to understand who God is in you and who He made you to be, you're gonna get to the point where you're not afraid of much of anything. And the things that you are afraid of, work it out with God. Go back to step one and let Him start to work you through so you can conquer that fear. Step three, nobody likes this one. Get physically fit. I'm telling you, it is a journey, not a destination. Getting physically fit, you have to be disciplined like a warrior and figure out what to eat. You have to exercise. It doesn't have to be three hours in the gym pumping iron. Doesn't even have to be an hour there, but it has to be something consistent and don't look for fast results. You go do 10 sit-ups, you're not going to have six-pack abs the next morning. Just telling you, that's the reality of it. It takes time to get in shape. Number four, compete. As human beings, God put in us a desire to compete. Keep it within healthy reason. Cain and Abel were competing with the sacrifices they brought to God. And you better be a gracious loser. Don't kill people with a rock. Uh, don't throw the checkerboard at them. I, I don't care what the competition looks like. Maybe it's compete with your wife of who can do bigger acts of service for the other person. Find a way to compete. And, and I'll just tell you as men, psychologically, when we start to compete, we perform better. Physically, mentally, emotionally, we perform better when we get to go compete. If all you can do is compete with yourself of keeping a track record of how many days you kept from putting something stupid you didn't need to eat in your mouth, and then go beat it. I mean, we're built for it. Let's go do it. Develop routines. I struggle with that one. I really don't like routine. I'm, I'm the free spirit that Dave Ramsey warms you about. I'm working on routines. Okay? Be a winner. Be a winner. And, and that starts with how you think, act, and talk. No room for loser talk. I wish I had time to tell you the story of Under Armour. But it's a, it's a company motto. They don't allow loser talk. You can be fired for it. You talk like a loser and work for Under Armour, they'll bring you in, probably reprimand you the next time you're fired because we don't allow losers. Which, you want to date my daughter, be a winner. Don't be a loser. Man, I got to write that in a book somewhere. That's going to be so much fun. <clears throat> it's not going to be fun for the boy. That's okay. Don't be addicted to anything. Okay, addiction... Addiction is a slavery. And you were not called to, to be slave to anything except Jesus Christ. And, and I'm not saying you can't enjoy whatever the finer things in life are, but you don't need to be a slave to them. And, and I'm, I'm preaching that at me too. Don't, don't feel like you're alone. The last one. It is a crazy world we live in. Buy a knife and a gun. 
They're like, you can't preach that. Yes, I can. Because Jesus actually told his disciples to sell their cloak and buy a sword. Because he understood the world that they were going to be living in was going to be dangerous. Okay, and, and I'm not talking, you know, if you're a man and you, you wear jeans or pants with pockets, carry a knife every day. They're a useful tool. Now, don't carry one of these little dinky things. Okay, this is not going to help you with a warrior mentality. Because, I mean, you have to be exceptionally skilled to do harm with one of these. And other than cleaning your fingernails and opening letters, they're not worth much. Okay, you're, you're getting in the ballpark with a folding knife. I, I would recommend a lock blade. This little devil has cut my finger more than once. I actually dug it out of the safe to carry in here today. It's not my normal folder that I carry. And, and I didn't bring my big survival knife. Uh, I didn't want too many people going down the road to Crocodile Dundee. <clears throat> and I sure didn't bring the sword, okay? You, you don't really need to carry a sword in today's society unless you really want attention. Uh, you carry the big survival knife strapped to your hip, you're going to get attention too. But, you know, carry these things. And, and if nothing else, buy and own and carry and, and maintain some level of proficiency in them to remind yourself that God called you to be a warrior. Okay? Yes, Ladies in the church, I did just tell your husband he can go buy another gun. I will not recant of it, okay, because it is, it is something deep within a man. One of my fondest memories of childhood, and, and I'll, I'll close with this, because I, I want to remind men to, to mentor and to build into to other men, was the the year my dad bought my brother and I BB guns. Now, now those aren't high-powered, you know, killing weapons, but it was, it was a step in the, the path to being a protector. Because one of the first things I told my dad after he gave us that, that present was, you know, Dad, can I keep it in my room? Because if somebody ever breaks in the house, I'm going to shoot them. And he looked at me like, am I raising a sociopath? And I said, no, Dad. You know, it's our house. And we have to protect it. And the, the next thing he did was he began to teach me about gun safety. And he began to to teach me that, that guns weren't just for killing. He said, we're not going to shoot anything with these other than targets. And little did he know, you know, <clears throat> there were squirrels in the neighborhood. There were birds in the neighborhood and there were cottontail rabbits. Used to be a lot more of those out by the golf course, but I thinned them down pretty good as a kid. And... <clears throat> And there were other things we shouldn't have shot. Uh, a neighbor kid shot a street light out and I took the rap because I'm not a snitch. But, <clears throat> but I did get my money's worth out of him, but that's another story. Um, but but we, we, we advanced and, and from there, he bought me a 22 rifle and, and began to teach me about what little he knew about hunting.
and, and shooting. And, and then when he knew he could train me no more, he handed me off to my uncles who were avid hunters. And, and before I went out on a quail hunt with them, he hands me his shotgun that he was not a hunter, but he had a shotgun. I took that heavy 12 gauge and I learned a valuable lesson about real firearms kick. And, and I, I've steadily just continued in, in this pathway where, where sometimes it's okay not to know. But God was always providing a mentor to speak into my life about firearms. Now, I'm, I'm still way, way behind with a handgun. That's why I don't conceal carry, because I'm, I'm not proficient enough to be safe with it. You know, I, I got a much better chance of, you know, tackling a guy to the ground and going hand-to-hand -hand than I do with a, a handgun right now, but that day's coming. I don't own an AR yet. That's part of the purpose of buy a gun is in this sermon. <clears throat> Father's Day gift. <clears throat> True story, confession here, all of the, the guns except for one in our house are in my wife's name. She bought every one of them. That, that's another reason she's the warrior queen. But have the mindset of a warrior where you look to, to protect what God's entrusted you with. You're disciplined and you're self-controlled. You value relationships. You strive for excellence. You're always bound to servanthood. You live a life of honor. You're not afraid to, to be powerful, showing that you have both strength and courage. And people know you by your generosity, that you're full of mercy and grace. We're called to be warriors. Man, I'm, I'm going to say one more thing to you so that this will be one of the last things you hear today. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Don't suck. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you that you are a warrior. That Jesus, you are a warrior that we're going to get to see you come back as that warrior. And you're going to end all of the battles that we see and that we don't see. And you're going to be who you are forever and ever, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, thank you for showing us more of who you are. That you're, you are a prophet, a priest, a king, and a warrior. And God, help us to show the world who you are by living in a way that you made us for, Lord, living in excellence. God, thank you again for this time together. We give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.